1: details Pittsburgh Steeler fans welcome back to another episode of the BTSE Steelers radio YouTube feed now you might not be listening on YouTube you might be listening on podcasts but if you are listening on podcasts you might not even know holy crap behind the steel curtain has a YouTube channel we do Go to YouTube, BTSC Steelers Radio, and subscribe. Now, last, I was just a few weeks ago, I had Chris Carter of DKPittsburghSports.com on to talk all things Pittsburgh Steelers. I bring in another guest today for another Steelers one-on-one. This time, we're getting to know one of our own, and that's Simon Chester, who was just announced Sunday as the new deputy editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. In other words, he's my second-hand man when it comes to all things behind the steel curtains. Editor, editor stuff, writing. He's going to be a main voice on the page. And I want to have him on the show so that everyone out there YouTube, podcasts, on the YouTube podcast on com, can get to know him a little bit more. So He's all the way on the other side of the pond. I do another show with Lance Williams on the other side of the country. He's on the other side of the pond. Simon, how are you doing? Go ahead and introduce yourself.
0: Hi. Thanks. Thanks, Jeff. It's uh, Simon Chester here in uh, sunny old England for once. Uh, it's just gone 2 o'clock in the morning, so mm-hmm. a little bit a little bit later, so if I look, a little bit haggard. But it's just I'm <laughs> much fresher early in the day.
1: So, huge thank you for staying up so late for this because, <laughs> hey, hey, East Coast Standard Time rules the world. That's what I've always said. Anyways, <laughs> what, what I want to do to start the show is I want to s- – get to know you because let's be honest if you folks don't know this like i, I knew simon from his work at steelers wire he was actually with behind the dot com when i took over in 2015 for a brief stint um but i don't know him that well especially when it comes to his fandom for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And that's what separates behind the steel Curtain.com with the Pittsburgh post-gazette and the Tribune review is that we are fans. We love the Pittsburgh Steelers. You're not getting, you might get a biased view, but you know what? We all are on the same team here. We're not, we don't have to give you the quote unquote standard stock team organization line all the time. So I have a couple questions for you. We'll go quick. You can just, you can give a couple whatever. So, Steelers, all Steelers. Here we go. I want to know what your favorite Pittsburgh Steelers memory has been that is not a Super Bowl related memory. So don't give me the, you know, Super Bowl 40, 43, whatever. What's your favorite Steeler memory?
0: Um, let's see. I followed the Steelers from 1983, the first time they got shared on TV in this country, but I never actually saw them live until 92. Um, and I suppose my favorite memory of the Steelers is kind of a selfish one. But um, through a fan club that was set up in the UK, got to travel to Pittsburgh to see the Jets play, about week four, 92 it was. And they arranged for me and a couple of other guys to go down on the field the day before on Saturday, watch the walkthroughs, and meet some of the players. And they gave us a trophy to present uh, from the fan club. It was the Steelers, Steelers Nation UK MVP for the 1996 season, it would have been. It was going to Greg Lloyd. They packed me off with a little trophy, and my prize was to give Greg Lloyd a trophy on the sideline during uh, a like, little break, during walkthroughs. Um, while it was a great moment, it was a humiliating moment because he didn't want the trophy, he didn't want to be bothered at practice, he swore quite a lot, and the PR man was a little bit awkward about the whole exchange. <laughs> but I did get a five-minute period with him where he's, he asked me if I played football at the time I was playing linebacker, and he offered to show me some moves. So five minutes on the sideline with Greg Lloyd doing pass rush, doing spin move, doing ball rush. And that was the humiliating part. Again, he asked me to ball rush him. I'm six foot six at that time, about 270 pounds. I'm feeling pretty good about myself physically. Get out of my stance, I hit him as hard as I can. And literally he doesn't flinch. He looks at me, he kind of like shrugs, laughs a little bit and then goes straight rushing back onto the field. So it's a highlight in a weird way. (laughs) It's a memory I will never forget, and I can always replay that entire afternoon in my head second by second. But it's also a humiliating memory at the same time. So it's, yeah, it's a bit of both. It's a great that, memory, but it's also horrible.
1: That's a great story. I mean, that's, that's one of those stories that you don't expect, but that's a great story, which might lead us into the next question that I have, and that is, who's your favorite Steeler of all time?
0: I'm torn. Jack Lambert is my all-time favourite. He's the man that I saw when I was 13 on the highlight video, and I realised that I'd been wasting my time playing rugby and soccer in this country. <laughs> clearly, American football was the sport I was destined to play. And I spent a lot of my life trying to be like him, clearly you can't, so my career ended quite early. And then, in a formative years, Rod Woodson. Okay. He, was, he was my idol from the second I saw him, and the day he left it was the closest I'd probably ever come to crying about a player leaving a team.
1: That was rough, and I was young, and I, I loved Rod Woodson, and I had a lot of his gear. Yeah, that was difficult. That was really yeah, difficult.
0: i clear out shirts because if you didn't clear out shirts the way I used to buy them in my youth, I would have a wardrobe full of them, so i I'd give them to charity and stuff like that. But one of the few that I've kept is, is Rod Woodson's 92, 92 yeah. vintage shirt, I think it was here.
1: A cool story about Rod Woodson is, or more so not necessarily him, is that he used to have a really cool restaurant in Station Square in Pittsburgh. And I used to go there a lot as a kid. Where then,
0: now I think Hooters ended up being there on the corner, yep. Station Square. Yes. Woodson's All-Star Bar and Grill.
1: Exactly. So and the, it was,
0: Actually, it wasn't that bad.
1: No, it had some cool memorabilia on the walls. It was like AstroTurf that was actually lined. It was a really cool atmosphere. And I'll never forget, I went up. I went back to that area in the high school, and I saw that, and it was closed down, and it was like a ghost town. It was just depressing, but Didn't in at the same, but hi, but the Jerome Bettis' grill thirty six is phenomenal too. So it's kind of like a catch twenty two.
0: I try and get to Pittsburgh as much as I can, which generally averages to once every couple of years. I fly out to watch. I get like back to back games, so I pack it up. The strange thing about keep going to Pittsburgh and going to Station Squares. I don't see things that are about to change. They've just changed. So I go, by. like, thanks <laughs> to some friends. Yeah, this is a really great restaurant on the corner here. Ron so I get it. Oh, it's closed. And, there's <laughs> and you go year, it's like, another restaurant. And I'm like, okay, this restaurant has to be around here somewhere. Uh, Maybe. I mean, like forgot where it is. I did never appreciate the turnover.
1: Yeah. And hey, even Franco Harris's pizza joint and Heinz Field's going to be opening up soon, so that's another Steeler player. And Heinz Ward has a restaurant in Pittsburgh now, so a lot of Steeler players. I heard Ben Roethlisberger is going to be opening up a restaurant as well. Yeah,
0: um, I was saying he wants a couple of restaurants, or he's working on a deal for a couple of restaurants somewhere, somewhere unusual. I want to say somewhere like Georgia or somewhere well, somewhere you wouldn't did. expect him to necessarily be a <laughs> brand name to put a restaurant.
1: He has some good and bad ties down in Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> comment, I, I don't know what you're talking about here. <laughs> okay. Um, next question. We have two more here. Uh, well, who's your most hated opponent for the Steelers?
0: Patriots. All-day Patriots. There is really? no question. I don't have to think about it for a second. I despise the Patriots with every fiber of my being. And while, as you said earlier, uh, behind the steel curtain has an element of unashamed bias in some of the writing i will tell the readerships now and it's better for you as if you want an unbiased piece about the page do not ask me to write it about it it will just drip from the page you can tell my hatred for the page i can't help it i hate brady i know he's great i know he's fantastic He was an all-time legend but i despise watching him play and i despise everything about that team
1: well that's the thing, and people you know I'm a school teacher, and a lot of my students you know, I get into verbal jabs back and forth with them about their favorite teams and stuff and and I'll say, you know, I can't stand that guy,' and like, oh I said, look, Tom Brady's great, he's a phenomenal football player, you can't watch him play and say he is not any good because then you're just lying to yourself, but at the same time, I hate every I hate him with every ounce of my being, I hate his guts, he is." Too perfect. He is. Life is too perfect. <laughs>
0: His life <is> that <laughs> way seems to and I'm sure if I met him and if I hung out with him and got to know the real Tom Brady, I'd come away that oh that guy's so great. But I don't know him. I don't don't care about knowing him. I see the player on the field. I see what happens in the games against us, rightly or wrongly. We are have been victims to circumstance, be it our own making or their making. But I don't feel good about the fact they keep losing. To, that they we keep losing to them. So,
1: <sighs> yes, Week Fifteen last year. Let's not bring that up, and let's let's not live in the past. You know, I want to know what your kind of expectations are for this upcoming season. Are you are you an optimist when it comes to the Steelers? Are you a pessimist? Um, do you kind of just stick in the middle? Um, I'd be curious to what you think about the upcoming year.
0: I'm guessing you don't know a lot of English people. Um, by our very mm-hmm. nature, we are pessimistic about everything. Um I would um still pessimistic watching a Steelers game up by 21 points with three minutes left in the game. I still somehow in the back of my mind, <laughs> how is this gonna go wrong? Um so half of me is looking at the season thinking playoffs are a guarantee but should be a certainty. A deep run in the playoffs should be very likely and a championship should be a possibility. That's the facts of the matter, regardless of which team you support. That should be your opinion of the Steelers going into the season. <sighs> Reality, <laughs> I could sadly see a couple of injuries going nine and seven and into the playoffs and then the early exit. I don't want to believe that's true, but the the pessimistic Englishman in me sees that happening.
1: Okay, hey, I'm learning about you just like everyone that's listening or watching is as well. So that's fine. You know, Lance Williams and I, we do a show called "The Standard Is a Standard," and he is the pessimist, and I am the eternal optimist. He calls me Joy because I'm always that guy that says, "You know what?" And this is the truth. Like my, I watched. I used to watch a lot of games with my dad and my brother, and they're both the. Oh, the Steelers are down by ten. It's over. I'm. I was the one sitting there, like, no, we still have a lot of time left. We can do this. It's Ben Roethlisberger, fourth quarter comebacks. You know, it's. I was that kid. I was that guy, and I still am that guy. So I am the optimist. There you go. So let's go I ahead want, and go yeah, ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead.
0: I want to be that guy. Um, it's a bit like I don't want to talk about soccer, but with England in the World Cup at the moment, everyone in this country is getting very excited. They might win a championship. Might win a title for the first time since 1966. I've seen them lose in five straight finals at key stages of penalties, and I refuse to believe until literally they're holding a trophy in their hand that they won the contest. So until the Steelers make the Super Bowl, I won't believe they're going to make the Super Bowl.
1: And, and, and you're not alone. You are not alone. Trust me. If you read the comments of our website, you are far from alone. I think sometimes I'm alone in my outlook more so than the other side of the coin.
0: I think Pittsburgh fans are generally a little bit more pessimistic than other fan bases. Used to being that level of success. I find if I speak to, say, a Falcons fan or uh, even an Eagles fan, despite their history going into the Super Bowl run, their level of optimism is a, a pace that I think many the fans don't really match. You're, but that's that's yeah. level of success if you're used to being a championship team. Absolutely. It's a reasonable level of expectation to have from your fan base.
1: It's Super Bowl robust for Pittsburgh every year, period. As long as as long as Ben Roethlisberger is the quarterback, which brings me up into our next let's talk about some Steelers stuff that's going on now. Let's talk about some potential training <laughs> training camp battles uh that might be coming up when they report on July twenty fifth. I like I said, haven't talked to you about this what was your take on Mason Rudolph, the selection, in the third round? And what is your take on the backup quarterback situation heading into camp?
0: Um, Mason Rudolph, when there was the pre, pre-draft pre hype, he was a potential first-round pick, and the Steelers were clearly interested in him after the pro day visits and the uh, reported interviews they had with him. I was prepared to be on board with him as a first-round pick. I didn't think he was a first-round quarterback but given the way that quarterbacks were overvalued and if the Steelers were intent on taking a quarterback, I could have talked myself into being happy with it as a first-round pick. But the second-round pick, that was where the value lied for him, and that's why I expected him to go off the board. Again, I would have been happy with that, although I was ecstatic about James Washington, who was a guy I had mocked at the Steelers for weeks going into the job. At three, it was a party in my house. I was... I love... Mason Rudolph, I, I love – I appreciate there are limits to his game and there are points about him that are clearly why he dropped to the third round, but there's enough to like about him as a prospect going forward to be quite excited about it. Whether he turns out to be Ben Roethlisberger's replacement, I think it's completely immaterial. He's Landry Jones' replacement. Landry Jones is out of contract next year. Personally, I wish he'd never been in contract for this year or or last. Um and he's blatantly his replacement, and he's a far better prospect going into his rookie season than Landry Jones ever was coming out of Oklahoma. Vastly overrated prospect. I was surprised we even took him in the fourth round at the time.
1: So what do you think? I mean, let's be honest here. I mean, I think you and I both would like to see Mason Rudolph and even Joshua Dobbs be the backups. I personally have no interest in seeing any more of Landry Jones because, A, I don't think he is a Nick Foles type. He's not going to win a Super Bowl if Roethlisberger goes down for the long term. So my my thinking is, well, hell, you might as well see what you have in the young guys because we've already seen enough of Landry Jones. Do you think there's any chance that Rudolph can make some noise in the preseason in the training camp and potentially push Jones out of a job?
0: Absolutely. I, I While obviously the coaching staff is set as it is on the key offensive coaching positions will be very comfortable with Landry Jones. And Pittsburgh's not exactly been known as a team that will throw rookies into the fray and, and discard veterans, yeah, to make way for the young guy. I definitely think he can make noise. And Landry Jones, at the same time, can make so little noise in his own right that he could push Mason Rudolph into the fold. Yeah, I mean, for the last, what, three years, we've pretty much seen Landry Jones almost play the entire preseason. It, it feels that way. And the number of interceptions he's thrown, yes, it has declined, but it's still at a frightening rate for a man playing with a first-team offense in a preseason game. And those mistakes happen through when he's played the second-team defense and the third-team defense. The reads he's missing, the underthrown balls, the overthrown balls. The mistakes are relatively consistent. Yes, he's got better. There's no, there's no point sitting here lying, saying Landry Jones is not a better quarterback now than he was even three years ago but what he's been in the league now, this will be a sixth season, I think.
1: Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm.
0: man in his sixth season, he's clearly shown his limitations, and I don't think Mason Rudolph logically has to show that much more to convince you that with a little bit more seasoning and throwing him into the fray now, where could you be with him in two years? Because if you leave him at the third choice option on this depth chart, and we all know how it plays out with the reps during, uh, during the season and in pre you're going to stunt his growth, surely. I mean, it has to. I mean, the fact they don't have a quarterback's coach, from my perspective, is a little bit concerning at the moment. First time they haven't had one in Cowers. Yeah, since Cowers' time, Tomlin's always had a quarterback's coach. And this year, you have a new quarterback who could be a potential to you know, replace Roethlisberger down the road. And here we have with no quarterback coach and potentially leaving him as the number three prospect going through it an entire season. What's he going to do?
1: Yeah, I, I well technically Feetner still has that hat on as the quarterbacks coach, but I'm yeah I'm sure as an offensive first coordinator,
0: time he, being an NFL offense coordinator as well. I can't you know I know yeah. he did it at Memphis back in like probably before even I was born, but it's been a long time.
1: Oh, absolutely. Okay, so the quarterback situation. I'm actually excited to watch that. I, I hate preseason football because as hey you know you cover the team as like I do. Writing preseason articles is awful. Trying yeah. to dictate of what happened in a meaningless football game at this rate, you know who gets those first team reps in weeks one and two in the preseason. You know, is it Mason Rudolph? Is it is it Joshua Dobbs? Get some time. Are they going to switch? Or is it Landry Jones? More and more and more that we've seen. But that's going to be something to watch. Let's go over to safety. Now I know you're working on an article for the website in the future coming up about who's going to fit where. I want to know who you think is going to be where who's going to be starters and who's going to maybe be used in a very specialized role, if anyone, because they have a plethora of safeties. They gutted the cu- the cupboard, meaning Mitchell, Golden, gone. I was super excited for both of those. And then you bring in Morgan Burnett. You sign Marcus Allen and Terrell Edmonds in the draft. You still have Jordan Dangerfield hanging around. Matt Berhe, I believe is how you say it. I could be mispronouncing his name. All those are the safety options. What do you think plays out? Who fits where?
0: Of all the subtractions, additions you talked about, the one I was actually most pleased to see go eventually was J.J. Wilcox. So I couldn't understand why they signed him in the first place, why they didn't play him after the first couple of weeks where he seemed to play and not great, but you threw him straight in the fray, and then he's out, and then he's inactive, I think, for the last two, three weeks of the season. I was glad to see him go for starters. I didn't hate Mike Mitchell as much as everybody else in the Nation seems to. I didn't love him, but he wasn't the worst thing I've ever seen. Um, It seems the Cedars have what we'd have traditionally called strong safeties, and several of them and nobody who would be a traditional free safety. There's no slightly faster, more of a coverage guy to play the deep, deep center field, and we seem to have a lot of guys that like to tackle, don't necessarily do it that well, can't obviously speak to the rookies, and we're going to try and mix and match, and who can play the free safety, a strong safety, hybrid linebacker, whatever you want to call that role. I think they've got a ton of options, and I think you'll see a lot of Morgan Burnett to start of the year, and I think you'll see Ter- Terrell Edmonds as much as they can base him into the lineup, switching back and forth. I guess right now it's going to be uh, what, Sean Deep put free safety, but I don't know. I loved him in year one. I thought he had a lot of potential. Year two, I wouldn't say took a step back, but he certainly didn't say, take a step forward.
1: Um, I think that, I, I think Sean Davis just chime in there for a second. Sorry to interrupt you. Um I think Sean Davis is a player that prefers to play in space a little bit. Um I actually think he'll move to free safety fairly well. He's tall, he's got range, um, he does have good ball skills. I, I don't I haven't can't remember him dropping too many interceptions. I think he'll be okay back there. I wonder if he can learn the position well enough. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, he's a smart guy. He knows, like, 15 languages or something like that. But uh, sarcasm there it is a little exaggeration. I think he knows, like, four, but still that's three more than that's I more, do. Most, most of the <laughs> that they can do. So, uh, But go ahead. Uh, who, what are your predictions?
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, on, a, on a physical, like, if you're looking on the team, who looks more like a free safety, I suppose sean davis looks the most like free safety yeah um, i do wonder though we started off in his rookie season he was playing it seemed like a lot of slot coming out and then all of a sudden he's playing free he's playing safety then he's playing in the second year safety and a little bit of a linebacker hybrid role sometimes and now we're going to ask him to play free safety and the end of it we're all going to say oh we didn't really play that well he's coming up to the final year of his deal. Where are we going to put him? For all you know, Morgan Burnett and somebody else is in the mix and he's out the door, which I think would be a shame for him. I think there's a lot of talent there that might not get unearthed because he's he's playing too many other roles. But, yeah, he's a nice player. He's probably the best option. It remains to be seen whether he's the option of the future.
1: Yeah, they, they definitely have options. They have a lot of players that are versatile. I don't see Marcus Allen fitting in outside of special teams in his rookie year. But I think they would have a role for him uh, maybe in a couple years or even in one year. Uh, but safety, another position to watch so as we enter training camp. And then lastly, let's talk inside linebackers. We all know about Ryan Chazier. It was sad. It's depressing. Don't want to talk about that too much, but it does leave a gigantic, gaping hole in the team's roster in their lineup at that inside linebacker position. So what do they do? They bring in John Bostic. Now, I don't put too much stock into the who's playing with whom uh, it, during off workouts, but if you do, Tyler Madikavich ran with the ones, okay. John Bosick ran with the twos. I won't buy into that until I see it happening in training camp and or the preseason. But do you think that the Steelers could possibly go out and make another move at inside linebacker? Do you think they'll keep who they have? Or, or you know, well, I just... Is, I don't I can't I can't see Matakavich and Williams as the as the the duo on the inside. They're just too slow and limited athletically. It's got to be Bostic, right?
0: On the face of it, given what's on the roster right now, you'd have to think Bostic would logically be the name that would take the the starting role. Whether he starts day one, I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't. Um, I don't think the talk about loving Tyler Matkovich is hyperbole on part of Tomlin and. Uh, the rest of the staff and genuinely think they do have a lot of faith in him as fans it's harder to share that faith because we don't see him in training we don't see what he can do and you've seen the physical limitations he appears to have certainly in coverage um he's a very willing player willing tackler hard-nosed player but i don't know however much he wants to be good in coverage whether he's ever going to be great in coverage against fast running backs or speedy tight ends um I was hoping there would be a pick up in the draft. I was surprised that there wasn't at least some effort to get one, even if it was a mid-round pick. Um, somebody like Navarro Bowman, still on the free agent market, it kind of blows my mind given the season he had last year. Um, given how late it is, I can't imagine he's going to be asking for three, four, five million mil a year to come in and be a one-year starter. Um, so a signing like him would be a dream, but... Cash isn't exactly there, and that's it to pay for it. So you probably are stuck with what you've got. I wouldn't be too excited about it, particularly injury-wise. I mean, God forbid Vince Vince Williams, let's say, picks up a 6 weeks hamstring injury, and you're starting like tech matkevich. I mean, Christ.
1: Oh, my gosh, that'd be horrible. That's a really bad thought to think about. Man, um it seems like the Steelers made a run at Rashawn Evans out of Alabama. Uh, yeah. you, they they traded Martavis Bryant to get that extra third-round draft pick, which at the moment when it happened, as I wrote the article, I'm thinking to myself, this is just fodder for a trade. They're going to try to trade. It seemed like they, they tried. The Ravens blocked yeah,
0: them. I think they tried to move up a couple of spots, and then yep. they didn't get much joy, many takers on that. And then before you know it, or was it Titans have moved? It's Titans have moved
1: yep. up. Titans jumped Basically. up ahead of Baltimore. Baltimore obviously is not going to, if they have the choice tight, of yeah. two, they're not going to let the Steelers get them. So it is what it is. Inside linebacker is far from certain. And I don't know if you agree with this sentiment, but I do. I don't think that the inside linebacker position is going to be the downfall of the Steelers' defense. I do like their defensive line. I think that their outside linebackers – with what they ask them to do can be successful. Meaning, cover a lot. They're very athletic. They're fast. I like their secondary. I, I, For the first time in I don't know ever, as since I've been alive, I actually think the Steelers have a pretty good secondary with Artie Burns, Mike Hilton, Cameron Sutton taking over that William Gay role. Joe Hayden healthy. Um, you, you, they have some players there the to
0: work death, with. Like Brian Allen, seems like he might have a future. I mean. I'm Not saying Brian Allen's gonna be a starter one day, but for a guy that's currently fifth on the depth chart, I think he offers you a lot of upside and a lot
1: of yeah. potential.
0: Definitely like Cameron Sutton. Like I could see Cameron Sutton ending the year as a starter. I'm not saying he's gonna start the year as a starter, but I can definitely see him working through the season. And if Artie Burns maybe has a few bad moments and they you know. Maybe they put out Sutton in for the last quarter just to see what he's got. And he plays well. I could see it being difficult to get him, get him out of that role.
1: When it rains, hit the legs. Experience the best in weatherproof fun at Bolero. Bowl, play games, and treat your taste buds to Bolero's signature menu. Don't get wet, go bowling. Visit bolero.com for hours and weekly specials. You're right. And I, I'm going to go ahead and say this on the air because I believe it. I personally would not be surprised if the only time you see two standard inside linebackers standing next to each other for the Steelers in 2018 is short yardage or goal line. Yeah, I do. I, I think you're going to see Williams or Madikavich or Bostic coming off the field, Terrell Edmonds going on, Morgan Burnett going on, Marcus Allen even maybe going on to play that inside linebacker role. Now, I think the Steelers are... They've really hedged their bet here on trying to recreate something no other team is doing this with a high frequency and it seems like they're saying you know what we didn't get the inside linebacker we want we're going to do it with big safeties it can either blow up in their face or they can look like absolute geniuses i'm not sure which way it's going to go because i haven't seen it to know but at the same time i think that's what fans should expect you agree
0: yeah i think there's elements of what the cardinals have maybe done with tyron mato and uh some of their other players that have come down for a few years, they were taking what appeared to be is he safety, is he a linebacker, we don't know. Cardinals take him, plug him in. And he is this hybrid player. Now, they may have done it by design. I don't know that Steelers and had, this is the plan for this season. We're going to flood the field with hybrid linebacker safety types. I think by default, that's what they've ended up with. And I think in a strange way, if it worked, it could totally revolutionise the way they play defence. Because Keith Butler's style is clearly mm-hmm. borrowed. From Dick
1: LeBeau. Yeah.
0: Uh, I'm not disputing his intelligence or his ability to be creative, but in a way this could force a change on him. And if the change works, I think it could be something that does bring the Steelers' defense up to date or maybe a little bit different to everybody else. It's a scheme that maybe not everybody else is running. And the ability with the two rookies and Morgan Burnett to rotate people continually into that spot, not to have one player who's the hybrid linebacker without him we have to revert back to the way we've always played before. No, I've got a backup and a backup to the backup who can all come in theoretically, all play the same role that we're preparing for through our training camp. A lot of yeah. it will depend if they embrace that going into camp. If they're going to think we're going to fix it with the linebackers and we'll just fill in part-time, maybe that system doesn't work. But if they embrace it, which might not be a bad idea given the personnel, you're going to make it the most out of what you've got rather than forcing players into the position you want to be. You could certainly
1: work. Well, and then you look at the advanced side of things for those that know about different coverage schemes and deep in the, in the deep secondary and how, you know, man and coverage schemes, cover one, cover zero, all that stuff. If they throw out that linebacker, what's going to be their go-to. We know just by the sheer statistics, pro football focus did a, a great article on different coverage schemes recently, no, only the Carolina Panthers ran zone coverage more than the Pittsburgh Steelers last year. And the funny thing is in cover one, which is a man scheme, the Pittsburgh Steelers had the best or the best completion percentage, meaning they did that extremely well, yet ran at the least in the National Football League. So they're still a zone team. Will that stay the same with a hybrid linebacker? I don't know. Something to watch again. This is these are just like some look for's as we head into training camp. Now the last segment here, Simon, before I let you go, because I know you've got to be exhausted. It's yeah, big- <laughs> my team, my team. <laughs> so it's bigger impact. Okay. I'm gonna give you two players. There's gonna be two offense, two defense, and I want you to say who's gonna have a bigger impact on their side of the football field. So if it's offense, obviously offense defense. Okay, so the first question is, who's going to have a bigger impact in 2018? You have to think about how much you're going to be playing, targeted, stuff like that. Vance McDonald or James Washington?
0: Logic says it should be the tight end, but he's going to get injured. That is him. That is who he's always been. Um, I think I saw an article on Steelers.com today. It was about I'm ready. I'm fully healthy. I just go full speed all the time. That's what I do, practice, training, whatever. And my instant reaction to reading that is, that's where you get hurt all the time. Man. Maybe <laughs> going full speed 24-7 is not the way it's going. The way your body seems to respond, it doesn't seem to appreciate it either. So, yeah, I'm going to go James Washington just on the basis. Assuming he can stay healthy, and he seems quite a sturdy young man who might take to the rigours of NFL life quite quickly. He's going to probably play all 16 games. He's going to have a few big games in amongst that number. I could see him ending up with 35-40 catches and given... McDonald probably won't last much beyond six games. Yeah, 30 catches in okay. the season.
1: All right, that's fine. Fair enough. Um, what about the next one? We'll go to the defensive side of the football. TJ Watt or Bud Dupree? Bigger impact in 2018.
0: It, hands down, TJ Watt.
1: Okay. Um,
0: I want to like Bud Dupree. I'm desperate to love any outside linebacker to see this ever pick up, but... I see way more of number 95 who just left in him. Watt. <laughs> that's not a good, that's not a good number to be associated with when we're not talking about Rick Lloyd.
1: Yeah, no, um, no, we're not.
0: Jarvis Landry was poor, Bud Dupree, slightly better, but to my mind, not enough better to, to expect him to do much. TJ. Watt, I like him. He seems to have a real, real potential, real future. Um a little bit biased because the what connection. Maybe you get fall a little bit in love with the what he might be. He could be like his brother. But for a rookie season, he seems to take to it well. And yes, the Steelers don't rush their linebackers like they used to, and it's not the same game. They're not going to be 10, 15 sack seasons for a Sealer outside linebackers anymore. But he seems to have the ability to, to do both make the most of his sacks.
1: Now on our other show, the other show I do with Lance Williams. We don't say the name Jarvis Jones anymore on that show. Uh, he's referred to strictly as El Busto. Um, so uh, he's oh, it's so bad. So you have, the fact that you're comparing Bud Dupree to him is not good.
0: That's not, and nobody wants that in life.
1: El Busto, everybody. So let's go back to the offensive side. This is a difficult one, and it's one that's been asked a million times. Bigger impact Antonio Brown or Le'Veon Bell?
0: Got to be Antonio Brown, assuming contract is not signed for uh, Bell and the net, what two weeks? I guess we've got for that. He's uh, going to miss training camp. It's going to be a slow four game start to the year. Not as a slight to him, I don't think any player that misses training camp can credibly expect to come in and put up big yards from, from day one. Antonio Brown is is just a machine. I, I actually I spoke I interviewed him a couple of, couple of weeks ago for another publication, and he just finished training. He was doing a charity event, and he was going to go home and train for a couple more hours on his own. It's what he does. It's relentless. I can't bet against the man that's put up what, five straight 100-yard seasons. Until he stops doing it, I can't believe he's not going to do it.
1: No, you're right. And it's a great point about Bell potentially, let's be honest, more than likely missing all of camp, all of the preseason, that he's going to have a slow start. Remember last year, and I wrote this article for the website a few weeks ago, it was three very mundane weeks before week four against the Ravens where he exploded, but it took a ridiculous number, I think 35 carries to get 140 yards or something like that. Um, so, yeah, slow start, you go with Brown, makes sense. Last one, safety position. Bigger impact this year, Morgan Burnett or Terrell Edmonds?
0: Morgan Burnett, I think he's slightly underrated. People don't seem that enthused about the signing when it happened. Um, I appreciate he's in the back end of his career. He's not quite as fast as he once was. Maybe he doesn't have the coverage range that he used to have. But I think we're underestimating what a smart, intelligent player he is, how he's called defensive signals for the Packers in the past. He's a solid player that could make a real difference to this team. And the Steelers definitely need some veteran experience throughout that defense. There's a lot of young names back there. The transition from what had been the 2008 Super Bowl team to where we're at now, obviously, has gutted it of a lot of the veteran experience. I think having a name like him back there with a Joe Hayden aside, a relatively young secondary, and a relatively young linebacker core, inexperienced linebacker core, I think could, could really prove dividends on both both ends of the field for
1: yeah, man. Hey, those are great answers, and you backed everything up perfectly. Uh, that's all I had, and it's if, you, if you're if you watching live on YouTube or whether you're watching us later, you're a subscriber, thank you. We appreciate it. Simon, before I go ahead and sign off, do you have anything to say to the Behind the Steel Curtain faithful and or Steeler Nation?
0: Well, I'll, I'll keep it short because I'm getting sleepy. <laughs> um now I just want to thank you for the opportunity. I'm looking forward to uh, getting to know a very active community of uh, readers and uh, commentators on Behind the Steel Curtain. Um, as Jeff said, I was I started my career realistically with uh, Behind the Steel Curtain back in 2013. So it's nice to come around full circle and be back where I started. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to getting started with uh, Behind the Steel Curtain and looking forward to hopefully a successful season. So, yeah, just excited. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. So folks, you're going to hear more from Simon, possibly in podcast form, definitely in the written form on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. Don't forget YouTube, search bar, BTSC Steelers Radio. Subscribe. Give this video a like. We appreciate it. A support has been tremendous for this channel, as well as on iTunes. Good iTunes search. The standard is the standard. That's our platform name there. Again, subscribe like our stuff give us a good rating it all goes a long way we appreciate it we'll see you next time bye